Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again with another episode. I am joined by Carlos Ayers. Carlos, of course, is a partner in Sao Paulo in the law firm of Medea. Ayers and Ruby, and he is going to visit with us today on a topic that I find fascinating that has lots of applications for the U.S. compliance practitioner, and that's what he terms tropicalizing your compliance program. So, Carlos, thank you for taking the time to visit with us today. What do you mean when you say that a compliance program needs to be tropicalized? Oh, first of all, Tom, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to participate on this podcast. And I think this topic is very important because oftentimes the compliance programs of U.S. companies doing business in Latin America, they consist mainly of translations of the policies, procedures, training materials that the headquarters use in the U.S., And when I mention tropicalize, is to make sure that the compliance program in the region cover some local aspects. And I will start with the scope, because the scope of the FCPA, when we compare to the Brazilian anti-bribery law, for example, the scope is different. And while the FCPA covers the bribery of foreign officials and also has the accounting internal controls provisions, The anti-bribery law in Brazil covers more than just corruption. And significant parts of the Clean Companies Act, for example, address illegal conduct related to public tenders and public procurements and not necessarily linked to corruption. So given this, it's important that the compliance program is designed also to address these other prohibited acts addressed in the Clean Companies Act. So, for example, and many times what I see is that employees, they violate the law and sometimes they do not understand that that is an issue. And the law incorporates a notion of strict liability, which means that the government need not to show any intent or fault. So to comply with the Brazilian law, it's important that companies operating in the country enhance their compliance program, among other things to intensify trainings and develop specific policies related to public tenders and public contracts. And these measures, as I mentioned, they are important because the employees oftentimes commit wrongdoing because they are not familiar with the law or because they did not know how to react when presented to a specific situation. The second point that I would like to raise is that Of course, as part of the due diligence, it's important to conduct an independent background check on the business partner. And many vendors offer these services in the region and for a reasonable price, providing information from an extensive list of database ranging for terrorist list to the World Bank list of the barred entities. But it's important that in this process, companies or their vendors incorporate important local databases that we have throughout the region. So, for example, since 2008, the Office of the Controller General in Brazil has kept a public website with the names of individuals and companies 
that were debarred at the federal level and in most of the states. So it's essential that such local sources are checked since the local authorities would not look kindly on situations where issues arise when public negative information could have been easily obtained, and especially in case of CGU, because CGU also enforces the law. So that's one factor to take into consideration as well. The 30 point here that I would like to talk in terms of tropicalizing a compliance program is with respect to training. And when talking about training, I would mention first that the importance to use local language. This might seem obvious, but I have seen many companies providing the training and training materials in English, for example. And the use of the local language will not only allow the employees to understand the training, and people should keep in mind that many people in Latin America do not speak English or other foreign languages. Also, even when the employees speak English, they tend to ask less question and express less concern when we compare, for example, when the training is conducted in their native language. Another aspect that I would emphasize here is the importance to refer to FCPA cases in the region if the training is more focused on FCPA. And the reason I say that is that many times when companies talk to their employees about FCPA, they might feel that, you know, the law is far from their reality and this is a law that it will never be applied to them. So to make the FCPA more tangible, I would suggest that companies refer to FCPA casings are arising from the country in which the training is being conducted or in the region if there is no enforcement action in the specific country. So for example, if we're dealing with trainings in Argentina, the company might want to refer to the Siemens case or to the Half Lauren case. If it's in Brazil, the company might want to refer to the Nature Sunshine or Biomet. And I think the closer the case are to the employee's reality, bringing examples of companies in the same industries or individuals playing similar roles, that makes the training very effective as it becomes more tangible. In many countries in the region, not only in Latin America, but in other countries throughout the globe, we are seeing an increase in the enforcement of local laws. So even if the training is more focused on FCPA, I think it's important for companies to make reference to the local anti-bribery laws and especially when there is a strong enforcement. And I think this helped the company remind the employees that in addition to the FCPA, other laws might apply and these other laws might be strong enforced by the local authorities. So such data is important if the company has and in the country has strong enforcement. That would be the case of Brazil, just on top of my mind here. So even before the car wash operation, which the numbers speak for itself and everybody in Brazil would be familiar with that even before. So if we look at the data between 2008 and 2012, the number of individuals arrested for bribery-related offense increased 133%. So that makes more tangible for the employees.
And one last thing about the training, which I think it's very important, is to adapt the training materials to the local culture. And the training, similar to other parts of the program, oftentimes consists of translation versions of the materials used in the US or other countries with no adaptations. And these materials oftentimes fail to connect to the participants. So many times I see, as example, somebody who take a person to a baseball game in Brazil or Argentina. And, you know, to tell the truth, except for a very, very few people, nobody really plays baseball or golf in Brazil and Argentina. And if we give such examples, I think they might reinforce the perception that FCPA issues are far from the local employees' reality or might be something exotic. So if we are dealing, let's say, with somebody in Argentina, a company might use, you know, an official being taken to a game of the Libertadores Cup, which is our South America premier international soccer tournament. So it makes more tangible and immediate to the employees. Also, third point here that I would like to raise the attention of those doing business in Latin America is to consider local privacy laws. This applies worldwide, but here it's particularly interest because in general, Latin America countries allow companies to access corporate emails of their employees as well as to use to monitor corporate device. However, to do so, companies are usually required to give express notice to employees about the absence of computer privacy on the computers they are used. So in Argentina, for example, companies are required to obtain consent from the employees and lack of such notice that the employees might be required might negatively impact the ability of the company to review such documents and use them. And other countries like Colombia have recently passed data privacy laws that have an impact on the internal investigation. And that's something to keep in mind. Still talking about internal investigations, another aspect that I would like to raise here for attention is to determine when would be the best time to issue a whole notice. And the preservation of documents physically, electronically, as early as possible is one of the most important steps for a credible investigation. And oftentimes these is done through some whole notice to relevant employees. And companies conducting internal investigations in Latin America should remember that in the region, as soon as they issue the holds, it might trigger a massive loss of data. And I have seen cases in which companies decided to issue a whole notice and then later on identify that files might have been wiped or laptops that have disappeared under suspicious circumstances. So I usually say here, you know, we are not in Switzerland. So many times when the employees, they receive the notice, they run to 
destroy the document. So considering this, it's a good idea to issue the whole notice after the relevant documents and data have been preserved or simultaneously to the preservation efforts. I would leave sending the whole notice in advance of the data collection to situations in which the matter is public and in which will take time for the company to be able to secure the data. And to finalize here, Ton, another aspect of the compliance program, it's audit rights. In Latin America, the enforceability of audit clause is often difficult, time-consuming, and costly. And the main reason for that is that, again, the subsidiaries use a clause which have been translated for the clause used in their headquarters. And such clauses often disregard best practice in contract drafting, the legal system in which the subsidiaries operate. And courts and arbitrators, they are oftentimes unfamiliar with them, given that such clauses are often enforced in the context of internal investigations and in the context of disputes. It's important to have a detailed audit right upfront, determining who can specify the scope, who will pay for the costs, what kind of information the company will have access. Otherwise, the company might end up having access just to the textbooks, for example, of their third parties, which at the end of the day might not bring the information that the company is looking for. The company might want to have the opportunity, for example, to speak to employees. So it's important to think about that in advance. So in a nutshell, I think those were some points in which companies operating in the region should uh, carefully consider when implementing enhancing or monitoring the compliance program in Latin America. Well, Carlos, that was certainly a very detailed discussion. I guess my first observation is your five points, the scope of those or the breadth rather of those five points really went all the way from sort of the lowest level frontline employee when you gave the example about golf or baseball in a training session, all the way up through document holds for senior executives, and Brazil not being Switzerland. So, I mean, it really sounds like a a compliance professional or a corporate compliance practitioner really needs to think through the tropicalizing of their compliance program for the entire Latin American continent and consider really not just the cultural differences, because I think we're all aware of those, but really legal differences as well. And you've got to have a comprehensive way to make your program work in any of the countries in South America. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, that would be a fair statement. And you got it right. It's about dealing with the different levels as well and the differences in the legal system. And oftentimes, What I see is that the person responsible for Latin America sits in Brazil, Miami, or Mexico. And oftentimes, the people believe that the same rules apply throughout the region. 
And the answer to that is no. So it's important to have in each of these countries somebody that knows how to navigate not only on the legal difference, but also on the local risks. Well, Carlos, unfortunately, we're at the end of our time, but this has been a fascinating discussion. And I was wondering if anyone wanted to contact you to follow up on any of the points you raised today, how could they do so? Through email, my email is carlosiris, A-Y-R-E-S, at maedairis.com. Well, Carlos, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tony. Yes, this has been really instructive, and I look forward to continuing the conversation on another podcast. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for the invitation. And hopefully your audience will think this was a helpful podcast. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.